some with um, exactly how all this is going to work with Bible studies on Wednesday night in the book and and messages on Sunday and so on. But but I am I am confident because of the promises of God's word that when we spend time in His word, we will be the better for it. We will be um, strengthened. And so. Um, as much as we are saying we're taking a, the Bible from 30,000 feet, um, <clears throat> you, can, you can dive into it any time you want, you know. Um, flying down to Arizona, it's always interesting watching people and being on planes. And, and I never understand why people want a window seat if they keep the shade pulled the whole time they're there, but that's their prerogative, you know, if they, but, uh, and I hope you're not keeping the, the shade pulled the whole time as we're going through this, uh, the Bible from 30,000 feet, but, but the reality is we want to see the big picture and how things fit together, and yet even as you do that, there will be things that will, will Grab your attention. There may be some things that jump out at you. There may be some things that don't really jump out, but that God shows you, and it's like, wow, that really ministers to my soul. It's not just to fill our mind with knowledge, but one of the things in going through Exodus has been this aspect that God heard. Notice Exodus chapter 2, and um, we find here this is Moses and the account of the burning bush and so on, but we're, we're just grabbing this out of here for now. Verse 23, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Turn then to chapter 3, or just down a few verses. Um, And this is, that was previous, this is where... um, Moses then with the burning bush. And notice if you look in in verse 7, verse 5 and 6, God says, Turn aside, um, draw near to this place. I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and so on. In verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now you notice in both of these instances, God said, I've heard their groanings, I've heard their cries, and he said, I know their sorrows. Turn to Exodus chapter 6 and verse 5. 
God again in verse 2 reminded Moses that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and remember when we looked at Genesis, we were reminded of the importance of God's covenant with Abraham. And, and here in Exodus chapter 6, he said, I, verse 4, I have also established my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. And then he went on and gave Abraham, or I mean Moses instructions um, to the children of Israel, I will bring you out of the bondage. But in all of these cases, he said, I have heard the groanings of my people. And he reiterated, I am a covenant-keeping God. I have heard the groanings of my people. And he said, and I know their sorrows. Just even that ought to encourage us. And, and God says that the whole creation groans and travails together in pain under the curse from Genesis 3. That the whole creation groans waiting for the day of redemption. Now, there is good groaning and there is bad groaning. But really, the groaning that, that we ought to have, um, should be something that comes before God and we're crying out to Him for deliverance. Scholars like Edward Gibbon and Toynbee have set forth in great clarity and detail that 21 of the last great empires on earth all showed the same common signs of decline before they dissolved and disappeared from world history. So, they studied 21 of the last great empires, and they found what are some common traits of these before they dissolved and disappeared. And I'm just going to quickly go through them. Um, they'll put them up here if you want a copy of them because we'll go through them too fast for you to write them down. These are, again, common um, trends, signs of decline in the last 21 great empires on the earth. In social symptoms, an increase in lawlessness and promotion of the wrong people a loss of economic discipline and self-restraint, greed. I mean, our nation, the economic discipline, the, the personal indebtedness of individuals is astounding, let alone the, the indebtedness of we as a nation. Third, rising government taxes and regulations and a growing bureaucracy. Number four, a decline in the relevance and quality of education. Cultural symptoms, an increase in materialism and selfish luxury. 
the weakening of the foundational principles that built the nation and made it great. These aren't just, these aren't just talking about our nation. These are the last 21 empires or nations. Policies based on feelings and not moral discipline. A loss of respect for established authority. Spiritual symptoms. A rise in immorality and perversion. The lure of alien gods and the exaltation of man. A decline in the value placed on human life as evidenced by abortion, brutality, loss of natural affection, and lack of care for the elderly. Now, as you look at these these lists, it's like it's written about our nation, isn't it? I mean, you go down and and see these things, and and I'm I'm not going to go back and comment on each one of these, but we live in a world that is is just asking for God's judgment. I mean, it's just astounding the things. Miss Spain is a transgender and made this statement. Transgender Miss Spain says women can have male body parts. How bizarre. I mean, could you ever think, I read that headline and I thought, it wasn't that many days ago or years ago that no one would have even had the nerve to put that out. And and we could, we could deal with... Uh, all the things that are going on in our nation, and the reality is our hearts ought to be groaning, crying out to God. And, and we are in, in desperate need of revival. Revival is the process whereby something that is dead is made alive again. And throughout all of history... Church throughout the ages has gone through periods of being alive and then slowly, in some cases quickly, dying out. God has always had a remnant, but there have been the ebb and flow of this. And and again, it's in relation directly to the working of the Spirit of God in revival in the hearts and lives of individuals. Revival in the Old Testament was uh, often a cycle. And there were times when people would go through a process of, of spiritual decline and then would repent. And, and the, before they repented, there was often where you couldn't tell much difference between um, followers of Christ and the heathen. And then there would come a repentance and a returning to the ways of God. And the fires, if you please, of revival would be rekindled, the mighty working of God. And and yet the key in all of that is repentance. 
we're going to put up here a, an illustration of the cycles of revival. And, and it really relates to this aspect of bondage. Remember, the first part of the book of Exodus is about bondage. And every one of us are born in bondage. And, and in realizing that's where it begins. And the only deliverance from bondage is faith in Jesus Christ. And when there is faith, to obey God requires courage. I mean, we've looked at, at those last Sunday. You looked at those from the book of Genesis. And the courage, Abraham went out not knowing where he went. I'm finding I'm doing that more often the older I get. Or I don't know why I went where I went or whatever. But but that took great courage. Steps of obedience. To obey God takes great courage. And that many times keeps people from obeying. But when we obey God, there is great liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is great liberty. And, and it is only liberty, the, the privilege to do what is right, is, is only the result of faith and an obedient faith that brings liberty. And with that liberty comes blessing. Now, this is true individually. And it is true nationally. And you look in our history, and there has been great evidences of faith and courage that has brought liberty, and the blessing of God has been mightily upon our land. That is undeniable. But the blessing can oftentimes be turned into a curse, and we start heaping it upon ourselves, and it brings selfishness. And then it becomes about me. And after the selfishness, then there comes a complacency. It's not, it's not, it may not be that we've denied the faith, but we become complacent. We're, we're not Fervently with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind seeking God. And, and it, it's just kind of you go through the motions. And after that, then there comes apathy where we don't care. I don't, I don't, as I was thinking on this, I don't know. There's also a, a sense of cynicism that can creep in that Oh, it doesn't matter what I do, it's not going to help anyway. I think that may be in between complacency or apathy or mixed with it all. And then when that comes, there is a dependency. Then you become slaves again. You become dependent on other things other than God. And, and we see that in our, in our day to day. And that leads to bondage. Now, we ask a question, where do you, where would you, you don't need to answer out loud, but for your own thinking, where would you say our nation is in this? 
most of us would probably say that, well, I don't know if we're, we're there or here or even here. Either way, any of those are horrible and should cause there to be a great groaning in our spirit. But then let me bring it down more personal. Where would you say you are at personally? Because it it doesn't do us any good just to talk about the nation because we can't do, we can't, pass a referendum, we can't do anything to change a nation unless we start with us first. If if we individually are living a life of selfishness, if we've gotten to the point where we really don't care, and and I understand, you're here tonight on Sunday night, but it, it's easy to get, and, and I appreciate the fact that you take the time. It'd be easy to stay home. But we need to examine our hearts. God, where am I? And you notice the only solution to this, I don't care where you are, the only solution is repentance. That brings us back to the Word of God, to obedience to the Word of God. And yet our hearts should be groaning. God, and I'm not going to go back over all those symptoms that, that we mentioned, but God, we are in a mess. I mean, mess is being congenial to it. We are, we are on the verge of disappearing as a society. I mean, if you went down through those symptoms and checked how many related to us, you'd be checking the overwhelming majority of them. And those were all signs, not of a few, but of 21 societies that are no longer in existence. Why? Because you cannot violate God's standards and still succeed. And and so the reality is, as individuals, what is God hearing us groaning about? What is it that that He hears our cry and knows our affliction? That's a question only we can answer. But in Isaiah 57 and verse 15, it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Do you understand? God longs to revive our heart wherever we are and bring us back to faith and courage and liberty and blessing. But it's humbling ourselves 
to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Rather than, than crying out to God, I should say not rather, but in addition to crying out to God for our land and our nation and the needs of our world, because we're not alone in this, we should first of all cry out to God for a revival in our heart. Can you look to a time in your life when when your love for God was more fervent and more passionate than we need a desperate need of revival? Can you look to a time when your hunger for the Word of God was greater than it is today? And and not it not necessarily can you look to a time when it was greater. It's how can I hunger and thirst after God more? I under I understand um, this Bible studies that we're involved in is asking us to do more. But urgent times demand urgent means. And, and I am grateful for all of you that are, that have plunged into it and maybe apprehensively and thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do. But God will bless that as we come with the humble spirit and we say, God, show me and, and give me the courage to obey you. See, the, those two areas are the areas that we need to focus on. God will take care of the liberty and blessing. But we need to seriously look at our lives and it is so easy in, in the Christian realm to fall into a selfishness, uh, a self-centered Christianity. God do this for me and God bless me and and it's so easy to fall into that. But to realize we are here for the glory of God. And, and as God said to Moses over and over again, as we, as we saw, I am the God of my word. I am the God of my covenant. We, we don't have a covenant that God promises as he gave to Abraham that he would give all this land and so on. But we have the covenant of the new covenant that God adopted us into his family, that we are the child of his. And even as a father pities his son, so God pities those that love him. But see, if if we're living selfishly or just, kind of growing numb to what's going on around and yeah I know things are bad what can I do about it I don't know what it'd be if the children of Israel had not groaned unto God I mean if if you took all your prayers and brought them before God, what would be the general nature of those prayers? 
You know, one of the interesting things about Abraham, he was an intercessor for others. God, please don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I think our prayers often would be, I'm standing back, got my fire suit on, let them have it, God. That isn't God's attitude. And and for us to have an awakening to to the reality of of why God's put us here to be a light and and for us personally I'm not going to I'm not going to go into detail and list specific things but for us personally to to have genuine repentance True revival is nothing less than a revolution, Andrew Murray said, a revolution casting out the spirit of worldliness and making God's love triumph in my heart. And you know, we're all greatly influenced by the world that we live in. Vance Havner said, Revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. That what we really desire and enjoy is Christ alone. And that we're committed to a spiritual awakening. I understand prophetically that that our nation isn't in the end times, but we should never quit praying for revival. In Luke 18, in verse 1, he said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Should always pray and not lose heart. Maybe it would be a nationwide revival, but maybe it would be a statewide revival, or maybe it would be, wouldn't it be exciting to see a revival in southern Iowa? Or a revival right in our own hearts? But see, our hearts need to cry out to God. God, revive me. I mean, we can... We can forever talk about how bad things are, but that should prompt us to groan, God, you're the only one that can deliver us. I mean, we live in a, in a society that they have no hope, and you see by what they're turning to. And God, would you use me To bring the hope of you to someone. God, make my life count for you. God, may today my love for you grow. God, forgive me for loving other things more than I love you. The first and great command. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then the second command, love your neighbor as yourself. 
God, forgive me for loving other things more than I love you. God, forgive me for not loving others the way I'm supposed to. God, I can't do it. Our parenting class we've been going over, it's impossible for us to be the parents God wants us to be. And we need to pray daily, God, I am a parent in desperate need of your help. As believers, we ought to be saying, God, I am a child of yours in desperate need of your help. I have no idea the situations I'm going into, but I know this in and of myself, I'll blow it today. And I desperately need you and, and groaning, God, I need you. As Jacob said, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. I mean, I don't know if Jacob had him in figure four, tied up his legs or a wizard and taken him down. I don't know what, but he, he wanted God's blessing. And God blessed him. You know what? God still hears our groanings and God still knows the oppression. Still knows, he knows the sorrows. But what does he see us turning to? God help us to cry out to God for revival. Heavenly Father, Would you truly open the eyes of our understanding to our own conditions, to the calling of you, and Lord, that we would be made aware of specifically our condition, and the steps of repentance that you want us to take. And Lord, I pray that we would manifest an obedience, a courageous obedience, that would result in you being glorified through our lives. Lord, you have raised us up to live in such times as this. And I pray that we would be awakened from any selfishness and complacency and apathy. And Lord, I pray that you would bring in each of our hearts, in my heart, that you would truly cause me to have a humble and contrite spirit and that we could see you bring a working of revival that would truly cause us to say, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Lord, I praise you tonight. that you hear our groanings. 
I praise you tonight that you know our sorrows. I pray that we would have godly sorrow unto repentance. And Lord, that there would be a fresh working of your spirit, that there'd be a renewed love for you that perhaps we've never, ever had. And I know then that you will be glorified. Lord, may the working of your Spirit continue mightily in each of our hearts and each of our homes to do above and beyond what we can even ask or think. We yield to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.